Welcome to the Small Hours Podcast with Al Gavada, where today we find out which Hollywood actor can kick Batman's ass. Plus, Richie Blackmore comes out of retirement from folk music, Tom Araya gives a crazy interview, and some South Texas punk metal as our featured music of the week. This is the Small Hours Podcast with Al Gavada. Let's kick it off. Welcome to the Small Hours Podcast. My name's Al Gavada. Thank you very much for joining us. Had a fantastic week. Pleasantly surprised with the results of Episode 2. This, of course, is Episode 3. I do want to thank everybody who tuned in for the last episode, especially uh, not only everybody here in the United States, but anybody else who got to listen to the show around the world. I do want to thank uh, Tony Dolan for spreading the word. Appreciate it. Can't thank you enough. Uh, And I hope that this continues because I really did enjoy seeing those numbers just blow up so appreciate it again welcome to small hours episode three my name's al gavada you can reach us via email small hours email at gmail.com gonna kick off this episode with news off of ew.com this weekend saw the debut of two new pg-13 rated thrillers and while the perfect guy and the visit were both predicted to debut between 15 and 17 million dollars remember we were talking about how tracking is not doing that well it's uh, been off as of late well Same thing happened this time around. Both exceeded expectations, ending the weekend with more than $25 million apiece. The perfect guy apparently took the top spot, barely, not even by half a million dollars. It was uh, came in at number one with $25.888 million. And uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit came in with uh, $425,000. So congratulations to both of them. New movies doing very well. A third new movie came in at number nine, 90 Minutes of Heaven. That one did very well, considering it was only on 878 screens with two, a little over $2 million. So congratulations to them. Uh, by the way, since The Perfect Guy holds on to the top spot, it'll mark the fifth weekend in a row that a movie starring African-American actors has topped the box office. War Room won Labor Day weekend. Before that, Straight Outta Compton was number one movie for three straight weekends. So again, well done to all of them. Looking at the other movies in the um, top 10, War Room, like I mentioned, that's still at number three. A Walk in the Woods, which debuted last week, came in at number four. Mission Impossible, still in the top five, pulling in $4 million. That one's doing extremely well. Straight out of Compton in at number six. No Escape at number seven. The Transporter Refueled coming in at number eight. Number nine, like I said, 90 Minutes in Heaven. And number 10, the Spanish language animated film Un Gallo con Muchos Huevos. That came in number 10, pulled in $2 million on 616 screens. From what I understand, a very funny movie. And uh, maybe we'll get a chance to check that one out uh, myself. Other news out of EW.com. Forget Batman versus Superman. How about Batman versus Jason Bourne? According to Matt Damon, the Cape Crusader would not hold a candle to Jason Bourne. During the Toronto International Film Festival, E! News asked the actor of his action hero persona could take on Batman, played by his pal Ben Affleck, in the upcoming Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. The quote is, Jason Bourne would kick the S out of Batman. Absolutely. Batman's got to take on Superman first. If he could beat him, then maybe he could take on Jason Bourne. Of course, he's going to be doing the fifth Bourne movie, directed by Paul Greengrass, co-starring Julia Stiles, and according to him, he doesn't need to portray a comic book character when Bourne is his superhero. You will next see Matt Damon on screen in The Martian, opening in theaters October 2nd. Following the release of his new film, The Martian, Ridley Scott is 
set for an instant return to the sci-fi genre as production gets underway early next year on the follow-up to 2012's Prometheus. This is off of FlickeringMyth.com. Speaking to Deadline at the Toronto International Film Festival, the British filmmaker has revealed that filming on Prometheus 2 will likely start in February, as well as touching up on what he wants to explore with the story. Prometheus 2 is set for release on May 30th of 2017 with Numi Rapa... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Uh, Rapace? Rapache? Numi! And, of course, Michael Fassbender both reprising their roles from the first movie. Big news on uh, denofgeek.us. Word is out that Warner Brothers is now planning three Akira films and that Christopher Nolan could be involved. We first heard Warner Brothers had rights to adapt Katsuhiro's Otomo's classic back in, what, 2002? News about the movie has faded in and out and occasionally, uh, you know, comes to the very top like now. Lately, talk is that Akira is happening with the movie being handled by Leonardo DiCaprio's production company, Apian Way. And Sons of Anarchy screenwriter Marco J. Ramirez is apparently uh, penning the script. Now, sources say Warner Bros. is planning to make a trilogy of films based on Akira. Wow! Most intriguingly of all, Christopher Nolan, like I mentioned before, has reportedly met with a previously attached filmmaker within the past three months to talk about the project. Now, it was recently announced that Christopher Nolan's next film would be out July 2017. Of course, it's shrouded in secrecy. Could that film be Akira? It's far-fetched, perhaps, but its positioning as a summer film certainly suggests that Nolan has something major in store and a big-budget adaptation of Akira could fit that bill. Now, while Nolan has the kind of clout to make just about anything he wants, his prior relationship with Warner Brothers and his history with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, with an inception might add some weight to the theory. On the other hand, it could be that Nolan's involved as a producer rather than a director, just like it was on Man of Steel. Now, while retreating what we've been told is a rumor for now, it's undeniably a fascinating one. With Nolan's mystery film less than two years away, we'll surely have confirmation on this one in one way or another very very soon there are a bunch of movies opening up this weekend as a matter of fact kicking it off with black mass starring johnny depp benedict cumberbatch dakota johnson and joel edgerton the true story of whitey bulger uh bulger bulger another name i can't pronounce don't worry, it won't be the last. The brother of a state senator and the most infamous violent criminal in the history of South Boston who became an FBI informant to take down a mafia family invading his turf. The buzz on this one is, don't call it a comeback. Johnny Depp's been doing a lot of paycheck movies recently and some people are like, oh, this is him, you know, turning Johnny Depp back into a movie star. While it did uh, take forever for the project to get made, Black Mass now seems to have pretty solid buzz around it as it's coming out. Even the previews look cool. So we'll see what happens with that Black Mass opening up this weekend. Also, you may have seen commercials for Everest. A climbing expedition on Mount Everest is devastated by a severe snowstorm. Buzz on this one is the director of Marky Mark's Contraband and Two Guns with Denzel may be ripe to deliver a worldwide box office hit. It looks nice. We'll see how it pans out. Sicario with uh, Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, and Benicio del Toro. An idealistic FBI agent is enlisted by an elected government task force to aid in the escalating war against drugs at the border area between the U.S. and Mexico. It looks sick. I want to see it. That's all I can say about regarding buzz on that one. The one uh, that I'm seeing a lot of right now, the commercials, that is, is Maze Runner, The Scorched Trials. After having escaped the maze, the Gladers now face a new set of challenges on the open roads of a desolate landscape filled with unimaginable obstacles. And if you understood any of that, this movie is definitely for you. The buzz is some people dig the storylines more than The Hunger Games and are looking forward to the final entry, The Death Cure, which would be the next movie that didn't get split into two parts just 
to cash in, so that's nice, as well as the now-written prequels. So if these next two movies do well in the Maze Runner trilogy, maybe we'll see the prequels. Last but not least, another movie that I saw a trailer for recently, Pawn Sacrifice with Tobey Maguire, Liev Schreiber, Peter Sarsgaard, American chess champion Bobby Fischer prepares for a legendary matchup against Russian Boris Spassky. Yes, people have been anticipating this character actor chess match ever since we saw the names Maguire and Schreiber associated with it. Now, for those of us that are a little more into the comic book films, the first thing I thought of was Spider-Man, Sabretooth, the guy from Green Lantern. So, pawn sacrifice, probably no um, superheroes. All right. But some pawns will be taken. And Knight bouts the queen. All right. From comicbook.com, Rachel McAdams has confirmed that she will be appearing in Doctor Strange. Fetch! McAdams has been rumored to play the female lead of the film opposite Benedict Cumberbatch's Stephen Strange, and she confirmed it to Jeff Snyder of The Wrap while at the Toronto International Film Festival. While we know that McAdams will play the female lead, we still don't know who the female lead character is. Strange's longtime love interest, Clea, seems like the easy answer, but Marvel has not commented as of yet. Last uh, week, we mentioned about Minions and how well it's doing well. Now that it's opened in China over the weekend to an estimated $20.1 million, Minion earned the biggest opening day for an animated film ever there. As a result, its box office total is now at $1.08 billion worldwide, making it the 15th biggest film ever, not accounting for inflation. It's officially surpassed Toy Story 3 to become the second highest grossing animated film of all time. Frozen, which has made $1.27 billion globally, is the current record holder for the biggest animated movie ever. After debuting in July, Minions, however, earned the second biggest opening for an animated movie, bringing in $115.7 million domestically and falling just short of Shrek the Third's $1.21.6 million. To date, Minions has made more than $331 million domestically and is just one more hit in a string of successful movies for Universal Studios. Great news from NME.com. Brad Bird, you remember the name? I sure do. Writer, director of The Incredibles. He's revealed that he is three quarters through the sequel script released back in 2004. The Incredibles was about a family of superheroes posing as ordinary suburbanites. Bird's movie was a smash at the box office, grossing over $630 million worldwide, went on to win the Best Animated Feature Prize at the 2005 Oscars. It's a great movie. Disney announced last year that a sequel is in the works, and of course, Brad Bird confirmed in April that he had started working on the script. He didn't specify a release date for the sequel and gave little away about its premise. He admitted that his script has been shaped by the fact that there are many more superhero movies being made now than in 2004. The voice cast for the original The Incredibles included uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Holly Hunter, Craig T. Nelson, and of course, John Ratzenberger. The sequel's voice cast has uh, yet to be confirmed, but Jackson has said that his character, Frozone, a superhero, of course, with the ability to form ice from himself and from humidity in the air, is likely to feature in the second film. And how can the film not have more Frozone? Honey, have you seen my super suit? From Hollywood.com, following the success of Peter Jackson's King Kong, Legendary Pictures is going back to the start of the giant ape tale with a prequel entitled Kong Skull Island, starring Tom Hiddleston, Sam Jackson, and Brie Larson. 
With that cast and the crossover potential that was realized with the King Kong character in the 60s, Warner Brothers saw some potential and stepped in to co-produce Skull Island, preparing for a showdown film between the giant ape and Godzilla, another Warner Brothers property. The two have fought each other before, but I think we can expect a bigger, slicker production than the 1962 entry, King Kong vs. Godzilla. Deadline is reporting that the two monsters will square off uh, right after Kong Skull Island and an upcoming Godzilla 2. Since a lot can happen with those installments, official word on Kong vs. Godzilla probably won't come until Warner knows they don't have a, well, I don't know, a Fantastic Four-style flop on their hands. Kind of crappy news out of Johannesburg and the uh, AP uh, Newswire. A stunt woman who was working on the next movie in Resident Evil series is being treated for multiple injuries following a motorcycle accident during a stunt sequence near Johannesburg. Constantin Film said in a statement on Friday that Olivia Jackson was injured in her face, head, shoulder, and left hand and arm in the September 5th accident. The film production and dis- distribution company, which is based in Munich, Germany, says she's in stable condition. She had been performing for Resident Evil, the final chapter, an action film starring Mila Jovovich. Uh, she also performed stunts for the movies Mad Max Fury Road and Avengers Age of Ultron. I wonder if she's the one that was doing the Black Widow motorcycle uh, sequences in that one. From MercuryNews.com, former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger is taking over as host of NBC's The Celebrity Apprentice for the 2016-2017 season. After the network split ways with Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump this summer, The Celebrity Apprentice was looking for somebody else. Well, it features business-savvy celebs working in teams to perform tasks and win challenges on their way to a financially successful outcome. All, of course, for a worthy charity. Each task ends in the boardroom where contestants must account for their actions or risk being fired. Now, perhaps, maybe an hasta la vista or you won't be back or something by the new host. Previous winners include Joan Rivers, the late great Joan Rivers, Piers Morgan, Brett Michaels, Trace Adkins, Arsenio Hall, and Lisa Gibbons. Moving on to some music news, MetalInjection.net's talking about a couple of new albums. Five Finger Death Punch's new album, Got Your Six, landed at the number two spot on the Billboard charts in its debut week, which ended in September 10th. It sold 119,000 copies. Now, what's a big deal about that? Well, in the same period, Iron Maiden's new album, The Book of Souls, came out and sold only 75,000 copies, landing at number four on the U.S. charts. A big difference 44,000 records. Now, that could say a couple things. One, there's more fans willing to buy the album, more Five Finger Death Punch fans willing to buy the album, or Iron Maiden fans figured out how to download it illegally and didn't pay for it. I don't know. But I think it did better in the uh, UK anyway. From Blabbermouth.net, legendary guitarist Richie Blackmore spoke to Billboard.com about his plans to perform Rainbow and Deep Purple material at what will probably be four shows next year in Europe. He said, look, I'm 70 now, (laughs) so I just felt like playing some rock and roll for a few days. We're going to do four or five dates, most likely in England, Germany, and Sweden, of just playing the old rock stuff, purple stuff, Rainbow. I'm doing it for the fans, for nostalgia. And the singer I found is very exciting. He's a cross between Dio and Freddie Mercury. So this will mean exposing a new singer to the masses, and I'm sure he'll become pretty famous because of his voice. Richie Blackmore, did you do you realize you just said a cross between Ronnie James Dio and Freddie Mercury? Come on, give me a break. Blackmore declined to reveal the other musicians that will participate in the show because contracts are still being negotiated, but said that none will be known names from his previous groups. He plans to film and record the performances for future release, and I'm sure Jolyn Turner's like, what, dude? <laughs> I'll go out with you. You remember uh, Blackmore quit rock and roll back in 1997 and formed a medieval folk band called Blackmore's Night. And if you haven't heard Blackmore's Night and, and you search it out and you're expecting some deep purple rainbow type stuff, 
You're not going to get it. He did it with his then-girlfriend and now-wife, Candace Knight. Get it? Blackmore's Knight. Yes, they're releasing uh, another album. They've released nine. There's a new one called All Our Yesterdays, due out September 18th. So you can look out for that one if you like. Other news from Blabbermouth. Germany's Rock Hard magazine recently conducted an interview with Slayer bassist vocalist Tom Araya. Asked what he thought when he first heard the final version of Slayer's 11th studio album, Repentless, the band's first without both founding guitarist Jeff Hanneman and drummer Dave Lombardo. Araya responded with, a kind of a bizarre statement. If you'd like, you can start counting how many times he says Slayer. That's how entertaining it was. Here we go. <clears throat> when I heard it, after I heard the whole thing, my God, this is Slayer. It's Slayer. When someone asks, how do you feel about the record? I say, it's Slayer. Well, half of Slayer, but it still sounds like Slayer. It sounds like a Slayer record. When you listen to it, you go, this is Slayer. But then you have to sit back and go, well, part of Slayer it's half of Slayer, you know what I mean? Because of what we've gone through. I listen to it and inside, yeah, I feel like, okay, well, this is because of my perspective, it's half of Slayer. But when I listen to it, it's Slayer. It's identifiable. Then he continued. I think it's really good for half of Slayer. That's what I'm saying. When you listen to it, you go, oh my God, this is Slayer. I said that without the thought that it's just me and Carrie. I said it with, oh my God, this is Slayer because I'm a fan. You know what I mean? And my concern is, what are people going to think? What am I going to think? And so when I heard it, I was like, oh my God, this is Slayer. But but deep inside, I know I know that Jeff's not here and that we're lucky enough to have a song of his on the record. So that to me was, oh my God, this is Slayer. But inside, I correct myself. I go, well, half of Slayer, but this is Slayer. As a fan, I can sit back and go, my God. And it sounded awesome. What is going on with Tom? Have you have you been listening to his interviews as of late? He sounds like kind of half-hearted or something. Like he's, I don't know. It's like, is, is Repentless going to be their last album unless Carrie forces him to do another album? Repentless was released just uh, September 11th via Nuclear Blast. The follow-up to 2009's critically acclaimed Grammy-nominated World Painted Blood was produced by Terry Date, who previously worked with Pantera, Deftones, and Soundgarden. When I heard Repentless, the song, I really, really liked it. I mean, it did really, really sound good. So I had high hopes for the rest of the uh, the album. Since then, I've heard a couple other tracks, and the one that stuck out the most to me was Piano Wire. And I thought, this is what a talented, I guess, or somewhat talented Slayer cover band would come up with if they decided to write a song that sounded like Slayer. It just didn't sound inspired to me. If you get a chance, look up Piano Wire by Slayer off of Repentless and let me know what you think. Small hours email at gmail.com. News a little closer to home here in South Texas. A TV reporter is out of a job after, well, inviting new Guar frontman Blothar, performed by Mike Bishop, onto an early morning news segment at San Antonio Fox affiliate KABB TV. According to my San Antonio, Blothar appeared to be wearing his new cod piece, which he lovingly refers to as his bag of dicks. Which, um, I don't know about you, but that should have been a warning sign. The lead singer reportedly was wearing a cod piece, sporting a couple of prosthetic penises that weren't sufficiently blurred, and a few seconds of that video made it to the Fox affiliate's early morning news Wednesday. The mistake marked the end of the reporter's eight-year tenure at the Fox affiliate now, oh, first as a movie critic, then as a video journalist, and finally as a host of his own feature, now gone. The reporter said the release was bittersweet, and he was ultimately grateful for the opportunity. All right, as in the tradition that I started last episode, this is your off-ramp. Uh, it is time to wrap up the entertainment news and move on to our featured music of the week. 
Now, this song, I think you're really, really going to dig. This is South Texas Band, and let me read you a little bit about it. The uh, name of the band is In the Graveyard. In the Graveyard is a one-man punk metal band led by Justin Osborne, featuring a 10-plus member pool of rotating South Texas musicians for live performances. Originally established in 2006, Justin wrote and recorded a five-song EP. However, a live band was never successfully put together. In the summer of 2015, an opportunity to open for punk rock legend Michael Graves inspired Justin to write new material and try once again to bring In the Graveyard to life. After recruiting several very talented musicians and having many others show interest, Justin decided that having an open lineup could prove to be an exciting and successful opportunity. Now with a full album in the works featuring a mix of crushing thrash-influenced metal, sludge metal, and melodic punk, In the Graveyard is successfully reanimated and ready to attack a stage near you. As a matter of fact, they were in Laredo just within this last two weeks, and I missed them. And I kicked myself in the ass just because I did. But now, you get to check them out. Brutality and Harmony sleep side by side in the graveyard. This is No One at All. On the Small Hours Podcast with Al Guevara, check it out.
www.facebook.com slash in the graveyard band. Check them out. What did you think of that track? Email me at smallhoursemail at gmail.com and let me know. Or if you're an artist or a hard rock, heavy metal artist or band that would like to be featured on an upcoming Small Hours podcast, again, contact me, smallhoursemail at gmail.com. In the graveyard, the song's name is No One At All. And I want to remind you, that was just one dude Justin Osborne did all that himself. Impressive. South Texas punk slash metal right here on the Small Hours Podcast. That'll do it for episode number three. I hope you enjoyed it. I sure did, and I can't wait to see how episode four turns out because I've got some outstanding metal coming in from Barcelona, Spain. We're going to be featuring that one next uh, episode, so definitely tune into that. You can always find the Small Hours Podcast at thesmallhours.podbean.com at least that's our house for now our home for now and again the email because I can't get tired of giving it to you because you probably missed it email at gmail.com that'll do it for episode number three of the Small Hours Podcast with Al Guevara we'll catch you next time <laughs>